So the burning question, the absolute burning question is which or what breaking news are we going to miss this week? We're going to miss because there's too many, too much breaking news. Well, well, two weeks ago, we record the pod. We're like, oh, that was a lot of fun. Lovely to speak to you. Off we rush. What was it? Half an hour later, Andy Murray reunites with Ivan Lender. We're like, oh, for heaven's sake. We're like, fine, we'll wait till next week. Then last week, we do the pod. We talk about Andy Murray and Ivan Lender. We're like, this is brilliant. Get to the end. See you later. Off we go. What happens? What? How many minutes later did the news happen that Ash Barty was quitting tennis? I mean, so, yeah, so that's the first question. Who does what after we finish recording this week? <laughs> yeah, I know. Go on, just, su- go, um, just, just go for something. Pick ooh. something. Who's going to retire? Who's going to no be fine? retire because we had that last week with okay. Ash. Uh, well, okay. we managed to squeeze in Kyrgios' antics. He nearly got defaulted yesterday, last night. Um, I don't know if that's news, to be honest. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I don't know. It's tough to tell. As we isn't say, it? look, we're not a, a a news or a breaking news pod. That's a good thing. Fa- <laughs> we've missed two fairly big stories in the last couple of weeks because, as we've said with tennis, it, there's always. I've got to say, since I think the start of the year in Djokovic and everything that happened with visas and non-visas and being kicked out of Australia, so many people I know have come up to me and wanted to talk more about tennis. And they've said things like, I never knew it could be so exciting. I never knew so much happened in tennis. Because it, it just feels like every day, every week, there is something happening that is newsworthy in the sport of tennis. It's a, it got an amazing, I said this not long ago, and a remarkable ability to reach the front pages of papers. <laughs> and whilst Ash's retirement probably didn't reach the front page of the UK newspapers, it would have down under. Um, so, yeah, there's just always something coming at us. And uh, as well as the, the tournaments going on, and of course, we've got big events on at the moment. We're in the midst of Miami. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, I mean, how on a scale of one to ten, how shocked were you i mean we weren't surprised that we missed the news and that it came out right after we recorded but before <laughs> we put out the pod but how surprised were you at that ash uh, has retired you know the funny thing is in the pod last week we were talking about when is the best time to retire i thought that was the great thing that we actually had a big section and largely centered around serena it's like williams we knew. it's like we knew something was going to happen but we didn't know this in terms of how shocked i was i it was weird when i was in australia at the start of the year a couple of people said to me they'd heard rumblings that Barty was going to retire. And these were former players who said she wants to start a family, she wants to settle down. So I think in terms of in terms of Ash Barty retiring from tennis, I wasn't that shocked. In terms of the timing, I was pretty shocked. And I don't yeah. want to bring this back to 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 money and what you can get, but she is at the peak of her powers, both on and off court. World number one, Australian Open champion. I know it's not all about being at the peak of your powers and what you can get from being at the top of your game. But I think for me, the timing, although people will then say, well, it's the mic drop, isn't it? You just, you go out at the top of your game and you say, see you later. So surprised that she's retired young? No. Surprised at the timing? Yes. Yeah, I think, to be honest, a lot of people were in agreement um, with what you're saying there. I definitely was. As in, I thought, you know, she she wasn't ever in it for a long time. Look, she already quit once. She clearly has struggles that she needs to manage, and that is tiring. And, yeah, we've always known she's such a home bird. Tennis is not based in one country. <laughs> Far from it. Um, and, 
Yeah, I think uh, you know we knew she she's engaged, and that is uh, the next stage of her life. So, yeah, I think again, I wasn't so. If you would have said to me, Ash has retired early, as she's at the very top of the game, I would have been like, yeah, sure. Like I, I think we all pretty much expected that, but possibly would have assumed that she would have you know I, I I would have expected her to have played like another year or two maybe two is pushing it but at least another year until she was married and you know that that sort of thing was sorted and it had settled down a little bit maybe she wasn't at the top of the game maybe she wasn't number one but she was number three or number four I don't know but I mean it felt like you know she's been able to select her tournaments and not play for long blocks of time. And that has helped her because the travel is so intense. And it felt like, oh, she's found a good balance here. And she also has the ability to be able to come back and then just be at the top of the sport, you know, like she did with Australia. She was just the best player and she hadn't played for a long time coming into the Australian swing. So she had that sort of Serena Williams quality about her that Serena's always been able to do. And uh, thought, oh, okay, so she can actually really limit the amount of tournaments she plays and still rack up a bunch of slams. Um, so I just sort of expected her to do that for a, a year or, or two. But yeah, I, I didn't expect her to to retire now. But you know, good for her. Great. I mean, what a career. I mean, basically, if you can wrap it all into that sort of time frame. Oh, it's it's amazing. She's the only active player together with Serena Williams who's won slams on the three different surfaces. And she's done it, it feels, in sort of double quick time. I know this is through a pandemic. I didn't realise she said to her coach, Craig Tizer, after she won the French, can I retire now? <laughs> so, it's. I mean, again, you, you reach the peak in terms of winning a grand slam. I mean, she said for her the dream was Wimbledon. It was winning Wimbledon. A lot of people thought it was kind of a game changer for her when she became Wimbledon champion. And therefore, it's like the icing on the cake is to win in Australia. And what better place to go out than in Australia being Australian Open champion? I mean, it's a, she's always done things on her own terms. You touched on it. When she stepped away from the sport, she goes into another sport. And she gets to pretty much the top of that sport. And then she missed tennis and she, she came back in to tennis. So, uh, look. We're losing more than she's losing. We're losing seeing Barty play. We, in the world of tennis, we're the big losers here, right? She, she is, she's done some incredible things. She's achieved so much. She thinks she's only 25 years of age. So it feels a bit selfish, doesn't it? Because we're the ones missing out because cause we're not going to see, we're not going to see Barty play anymore. Yeah, and it was so great, wasn't it? Having her yeah. at, at the top and with her game style, it was pretty different. And uh, yeah, I think, yeah, it's gutting for us, isn't it? Because I think she's such a, a fan favourite and for us tennis nerds, you know, we just love picking apart her game. And I'm, I remember it wasn't that long ago, probably on the Aussie Open recap, where um, I was saying that nobody's worked her out tactically. Yeah, I haven't exactly. seen anybody actually figure out her game, even if they don't win. Because sometimes you see players, for example, Maxime Cressy against Daniel Medvedev in Australian Open. Cressy served volleying. He'd actually worked out Medvedev's game because Medvedev just could not return that deep. It was, you know, you, you like it was the right tactic, but also you have to be able to deliver it point after point after point. He was doing it on first serves and second serves. You know, very no other players do that. So uh, he lost in four, but it was absolutely like well, that is one way. There are other ways, but not loads. But that is a way 
to pick apart the game of Daniel Medvedev. Like, yeah, yeah Medvedev yeah. then had to change his game, come up to the baseline, and then he, he finally won. But it took him hours to do it because he was so stubborn. <laughs> when you could see, even in the first set, when Medvedev won the first set, it weren't working. <laughs> Just, there was no success there at all. Um, so it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you beat the person, but... It's just about being able to find a vulnerability, expose that something that's working, something that rattles them. And, uh, you know, very often you can see some of the lower ranked players doing that, like a Maxime Cressy. And then the top players go, oh, hang on. Right. I'm going to give that a go. Not that we've seen anyone really serve volley against Daniel very much. But again, it's just not part of their game. Um, But yeah, so something like that. And I just don't think we've ever seen anyone able to do it. Yeah, yeah, sure. People beat her. But um, in terms of tactically... She had it all sewn up. The perfect game style. Do you see her? I can see her. I can see there being an involvement in tennis in somewhere in years to come. But do you see her actually coming back and playing again? Because a number of times players have stepped away and then they have returned. Do you see? Do you see Barty coming back and playing professionally? I don't. I do believe we'll see her in tennis in some form, some way, somehow. I mean, she's still got so much to give to the sport, and she still loves the sport. But she just doesn't want to do the traveling. She doesn't want to be doing, you know, the grind. She doesn't want to be away from home. Do you see her changing her mind on this, and in a few years coming back, like a Kim Closes? Yeah, I don't. Uh, because Kim retired a little bit earlier, didn't she? Uh, a little bit younger. Uh, not much. I think she was 24, I believe, Kim Kleiss when she retired the first time around, 23, 24. Uh, and then and it was to have a family. Uh, that was yeah. the point. And she'd always yeah. said, you know, I'm not I'm not doing this till I'm 30. You guys are crazy. Uh, but we are um, still sort of waiting. She's played some exhibition matches. But we're still waiting for this third comeback, which is uh, supposed to be happening. It's been delayed a lot, combination of COVID and, and other bits and pieces in whatever um do I see her doing that no I, I don't uh I, I don't see that but then we were all mightily surprised when Kim came back and Kim came yeah. back in a ridiculous how many tournaments did she win before winning a slam like or, or play I think like two or something <laughs> it was absolutely ridiculous and uh when she won um the US Open it was mega it was a game changer in terms of being a mum on tour because to have a mum winning a slam was uh yeah quite uh, quite an extraordinary uh situation um but yeah i think uh, did, did she ever plan to come back after having kids i don't think so it felt quite final when she when she went but maybe that door was always open it doesn't feel very open with ash does it um but you never know there's plenty of time i think because she's always been so firm and she's always done so during the pandemic, I know the borders were closed, so she couldn't train with her coach, Craig Tizer, but she made the decision, I'm just not traveling. And and you could travel, but she said, I'm not going to. You know, for many reasons, yeah. I'm not going to. And she stayed at home for pretty much a year. And then she said, okay, then the following year, I've made the decision, it's going to be hard, but I'm going to... And Gary Kissick, her now fiancé, did come for big chunks of it, but she said, I'm going to leave home for, say, eight months, and I'm going to get it done. She, I don't know, she just... I believe what she says... You know, I, I believe when she says something, it is going to happen because she is very firm and she is very definitive in what she is going to do. And I don't I don't see as I say, I, I, I feel I see a return for her in tennis. I don't know in, in what capacity. I mean, she has so much to give. She's always been already been an inspiration to so many people, but she doesn't want to do the traveling. And a big part of tennis 
is doing the traveling, whether you are coaching, whether you are playing, whether you are commentating. Although due to the pandemic, there might be slightly less of that if you're working on a commentary side of things. But And she says she wants to chase other dreams. I think it's going to be really interesting. Look, she's got the world at her feet. We know whatever sport, if she wants to take up a sport, she will achieve it. Financially, she is secure for life. She inspires so many people. I'm just going to be really interested to see what the dream, maybe the dream is she's chasing as a family. Maybe it's settling down and, and having a family and, and being at home. But uh, it's, uh, I think I used the word, I was asked about it on the day it happened. I think I used the word gutted because it, it Barty's yeah. a strange one when she, she's quite a tricky one to interview because I always feel she's like a politician. You know, she, she's not going to give you breaking news. Not that we give people breaking news on the pod, <laughs> but <laughs> she's, she's not going to give you breaking news. She's not going to give you, she, she hits a straight bat whole time and you can sit there going give me something so from from that point of view you know she wasn't gonna set the world like what she said she's very sensible she had a job to do but from a tennis point of view I'm just gonna miss as you said her style of play I'm just it's gonna miss her she's just she's just lovely and and she's gonna be a massive miss but you know what if she has to hand the world number one over to anyone I think that Iga Shiontek is a pretty good person to hand her over to yeah, I mean, it's been really cool, hasn't it? Especially because she's in such good form at the moment. Oh, wow. So she's playing ridiculously, of course, winning Indian Wells and, yeah, thoroughly deserved with, with yeah, how she's playing. It just opens up the top of the game once again, just as we thought we were going to get somebody who was going to moderately dominate. And I don't mean dominate as in win every slam, but, you know, it, it just felt like at the Australian Open she was easily the best player there and... Uh, you know, she's won all three slams. She can play on all the surfaces. Yeah, US Open, we heard from Craig Tizer as to why that was never really going to work out that well for her. It's far too quick and very much suits a, uh, a particular game style and it's not hers. But yeah, just as we thought, we were going to have a, a little bit of stability at the top. I, I don't think so now. Um, do, su- do you not? Because I could see Sviantec dominate. I mean, she she's what, won 14 matches in a row now. I think you, you actually picked her, didn't you? to talk of predictions mine are terrible <laughs> yeah. um to to do the sunshine double but she's double. locked in she she she's playing with such freedom i remember you speaking last week on the pod about her movement the movement of shonte but she's playing with such freedom the way she's swinging into the ball the way she's hitting it the and i know that comes with confidence and she's on this run of wins but she's so young she got the world at her feet she can play across the surfaces i mean What's to say that Shiontek is is now not going to dominate at the top of the game? Well, and I like your point of view, and I and it's great that you're <laughs> right. She is swinging really freely, and she does feel very confident. But confidence and swinging freely doesn't win you Grand Slams. It does. Well, it might win you one, but it does not win you multiple. It doesn't make you like an Ash Barty where you are just relentlessly at the top, number one. You think about Ash being number one, Djokovic at number one. Uh, I know that it's just switched a little bit recently because Medvedev finally got to number one for a, a few weeks. Uh, looks like he, he's going to get back there as well uh, again. But to be there consistently, it's really about the discipline. Um, it's not about... I wouldn't describe Medvedev as swinging freely as he got to his number one. I wouldn't describe Djokovic as swinging freely with every Grand Slam that he wins and the same for Ash Barty. I don't think she was swinging freely. I think that she was just executing to a level that is just so ridiculous without flinching and the challenge is just so great for people and they can do it on occasion but it's just it's so tough for people to live with that sort of level. So... 
I love what Svantec's doing. She is on a massive run of confidence. She might pick up a slam with that confidence. She could win French Open again for the second time. I, I, she's always going to be in the mix now. But uh, she needs to take this confidence, this swinging freely, and then work out a way to make it sustainable. Um, that is a very, very difficult thing to do, as we've seen for lots of players. Um, you know, even Osaka, OK, she's got four grand slams, so she worked out a formula for the slams, but it's not like she picked up loads and loads of titles. We've seen Magarutha playing incredibly well at times. She's won slams, but again, very few titles consistently. Um, so, yeah, to me, that's not somebody who is, is going to dominate. And we got Ash at a point where we were thinking, I mean, this game just isn't going anywhere. Does she just, she doesn't ever play, not even badly, but she doesn't even play like sort of below her ridiculously high standards. It was just, you just knew what you were going to get every single match. And, uh, you know, that's sort of similar with Djokovic. He does sometimes drop down a level, but it's rare. And as I say, with Medvedev, it's about work and the demand of your opponents been watching Medvedev a lot this week in Miami he's still going strong and he's had a tough draw you know he's had Andy Murray in the opening match he's had Jensen Brooksby in his fourth round and he shut everybody down in straights I mean Andy said after his match he's like I don't think I did much wrong he didn't even get a break point this is Andy Murray Andy Murray I don't think he's ever played a match without getting a break point it's absolute madness and to be honest in all three matches I wouldn't even say that Medvedev has been playing that well it's not like oh he's playing a great match here he is just so professional and executing and just completely destroying the souls of his opponent (laughs) because Andy sort of fell away in the second set and that is unusual for Andy to do Brooksby a great massive part of the first set he was a breakup he was doing lots of really good things then he lost that first set and mentally he was just gone he played I think about four games he just he was just rolling the ball in and then just missing and he went you know quickly down in the second I think three love down and I mean that was it you can't do that against Medvedev you can't do that against anyone in the top 10 but just it's amazing to see that sort of the level of execution is bonkers and it's so intimidating for people now I feel, I feel I keep wanting to lavish praise on Sfiante, but then you brought up Jensen Brooksby. Yes, and you talked at the start about Kyrgios and all sorts of bother that he got himself into against Sinner. Although Sinner, I mean, Sinner would drive me bonkers because he doesn't give you anything. You could do whatever you want down the other end of the court. Sinner is going to keep that poker face, no expression. You can't annoy him. He can annoy himself. You can. Oh, for someone like Kyrgios, Sinner is not a good person to play because you're not going to get under his skin. He's just going to look at you in that very deadpan way and, and that's all you're going to get. It was part of the reason why Kyrgios had a bit of a meltdown. Even within the first couple of games, we just knew it's like this is the sort of player that Ooh, makes yeah. Kyrgios go off on one. And now Sinner has a lot of the qualities that a number one in the world would have. Um, probably the only exception to the rule would, of what I've been describing when it comes to people who dominate, would be Roger Federer because his game style isn't that of somebody who can just execute over and over again with a single-handed backhand, so aggressive. But he got it, he demanded it, he got it to a point where it was so reliable that it was absurd. 
and uh, you just knew what he was going to do like on the point he's going to serve out wide and he's going to put the first forehand volley into the corner he's going to win this point and then he would do it and you're like yeah and then the next point he's he's going to do that again (laughs) it's it's just whatever the situation Um, so that's probably one exception just because his game style is that little bit more flamboyant and it is a bit more free so to have that reliability when you are playing so loosely is just just completely ridiculous and no I think to this day no one really knows how he does it especially with those contact points I mean you can see how beneficial having the contact points so far in front are but not a single player apart from Dimitrov he tried but not a single player in you know we've had a long time growing up you know all these youngsters Brooksby, Corder, Alcaraz they've all grown up watching Nadal and Federer and no one's gone down the fed route of let's let's take the ball this far in front because when you try it you go well, that's nonsense. Can't do that. <laughs> that's so hard to do. Um, but anyway, so that's probably the one, uh, the the one exception. But Sinner does have those sort of Djokovic-like qualities. The level of discipline that he has, and he had to have it to the max against Kyrgios, and he just shut him down. I mean, talk about being a wall. He was just sort of sapped of all emotion. Sinner and it's he never really gives it? much emotion but no, he was properly no. just stoic it was like he was a statue and he played brilliantly of course we expected that um, but he did not give Nick anything I didn't think he even looked at Nick through the match he just well, it's like red rag to a bull isn't it for Kyrgios because Kyrgios is like come on then let's get involved and Sinner's like no no, yeah. I'm, I'm giving, I'm giving you nothing. I'm giving yeah. you. So then he had to balls, turn on. Give me he had to turn on the umpire. Then didn't he? And uh, you know, he got a got a point penalty, got a game penalty, which was ultimately well, it was the ultimate self sabotage because he got the game penalty, and he knew he was going to get the game penalty by his actions. Um, and uh, the game penalty was his own service game at the beginning of the second set, so he started off the second set a breakdown. So you know. That was it to to make it impossible. And it was just up to Sinner to shut him out of service games, which he did. So where do we sit with all this? It started recently with Zverev getting a suspended um, fine and suspension for crushing his racket against the umpire's chair. Then there was Kyrgios who threw his racket in Indian Wells. And there was a big photo op of him meeting the ball boy and handing a racket. And you're right, mate, lovely. And then we had the Brooksby incident in Miami. And again, we had the photo shot of, oh, are you okay afterwards and lovely? And I'm sure he was very sorry. And he looked very sorry. And he looked very upset. And then obviously Kyrgios and his antics against Sinner. But I'm coming back to actions and consequences. I just don't get it. If we were in the commentary box together... And I mean, I hope you wouldn't do this, but you suddenly threw your microphone across the commentary box. You would expect there to be consequences, right? I mean, if if you said something out of turn, you would expect there to be consequences. So I just don't, even if you threw your mic and then there's a little photo of you and I smiling and I've got, I don't know, a big lump on my head or something. It, I, I, I just, I just sort of, I'm a little bit confused as to as to why things aren't being cracked down on. I sound like this disciplinarian. And as I said to you before, I am not. With my kids, I am the soft touch. If they want to watch TV, (laughs) they come to me. They don't go to their dad because dad will say no. And I will say yes. And I'll probably give them a snack to go with it. So it's, it's completely in contrast to my character. I'm just really confused at seeing all these incidents. And it's your workplace. You, you cannot, in your workplace, you cannot, excuse me as as frustrated as you get in your workplace you cannot act like they are acting I don't know I mean where are you on this well I don't think it's it's a tennis problem I think that this is something that happens in all areas of life and you know you work 
And there are consequences. No, in come on. Life. You work in football and they get in the uh, the ref's face so much. They're effing and blinding and they're, they're intimidating. Sometimes I'm watching it and the ref is literally just walking backwards to walk away from these people who are just, and these players just right in front of their face. There's no consequences but if they pushed, for that. If they pushed, if they touched, they put their hands on the ref or they touched him, it would be an immediate red card and there'd probably be a longer ban after that. Brooksby, sure. for instance, lobbing a racket. There was nothing. There was a photo of after afterwards patting the shoulder of him are you and I'm, again I'm I'm sure the guy was really really sorry but I just you, there have to be some form of consequence there has to be some form of you can't do that well yeah but then tennis was in the news again with the film King Richard and I don't think it was to do with the fact oh, that Will word. Smith won the Oscar he just stood up for, he was in the audience stood up slapped him in the face and then just sat back down yeah it's and there's not- talk I no, but there's talk that he might be stripped of his Oscar. It might or might not happen. Talk. I mean, exactly. No, but there, yes, no. but it's but there's not even there's not even talk in the situations we're talking about of things happening. It's happened. There was a photo. A racket was handed over, and we move on to the next tournament. I just there are in, ten, in tennis there are very clear rules. So if you want to change the rules, that that's absolutely fine, and we can have a conversation about it. But the 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 rules are very clear. Um, if you harm somebody, whether it's deliberate or an accident, if it's deliberate, that is obviously assault. So police could get involved. <laughs> um, yeah, I hope so. Which was always the thing after Djokovic got defaulted. People defending him, going, we didn't do it deliberately. It's like, well, what? If he deliberately injured her, then, as I say, that would be assault. She could phone the police. Like, this is absurd to think that he only got kicked out of a match. He didn't get arrested. Oh, but this is a grey area because Zverev deliberately went to crunch the chair near the chair umpire. No, he didn't. If he had wanted to hurt the chair umpire, he would have hurt the chair umpire. The chair umpire, the umpire, I know he wasn't far off, but he was deliberately not far off. Look, the the rule is if you cause an injury through reckless behaviour, then that's it. That's default. And that's what we saw with Djokovic. He caused an injury through his reckless behaviour. If he had teed that ball and it had missed the lines person by six inches, it's it's nothing. I don't think that would even be a code violation. It's sort of at the discretion of the of the uh, chair umpire, but if it stayed within the, the, the grounds, it's it's a it's a code violation. So the the rule is if you so with your racket like we saw with Brooksby or with a ball like I think we saw from with, from Aliash Bedenay, I think it was ages ago though to be honest. If you hit somebody accidentally through reckless behavior but they're absolutely fine like you know the the racket from Brooksby just sort of nudged the foot of the ball person uh then that's a code violation it's 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 an unsportsmanlike conduct it's a warning if you get another one you lose a point so there are consequences for it it's not a nothing warning like a time violation is a bit of a nothing warning really um and if and, and and you are also you're getting a warning because you're being told you're running the risk of injuring somebody you can't do that if you do injure somebody, your your match is done, your tournament is done and you're kicked out. I personally don't disagree with those rules. Now, I understand that it. I, I absolutely feel like you're sharing the court as a player with other professionals. You're not there on your own. You do get wrapped up in your own thoughts. Um, the cameras are all on you. They're not on these other people. But if you think about the amount of people on the court, especially when we had lines judges, you've got, what, six ball kids... You're going to have yeah, at least yeah. five lines judges. So we're already at, what, 11. You've got the chair umpire. You've also got camera operators that are along. They're, they're, they're actually on the court. 
um, you know, so you're sharing your court. You've got your opponent as well. So you're looking at like 14 people that you are on the court with. So, yeah, I would love to see the players be more considerate towards um, the other professionals that they are sharing the, the court with. Um, but, you know, sport, it, it is going to get heated. And uh, I do think they should follow Andy Roddick's rules of uh, <laughs> slamming the, yes. ro- the racket and the ball into the ground near them. And I, I've always felt this, just like, why are you why are you doing that? I mean, one that we do sort of see is them tear into the sky. And there was just that one yeah. horrendous incident with Shapovalov where, I mean, can you imagine of all of the space for him to hit it into? I mean, what a disaster that was. Um, yeah, the warnings are there to deter people from doing things that are reckless and to encourage them to take their frustrations out more like Andy Murray. Oh, sorry, not Andy Murray. More like Andy Roddick was suggesting in their own sort of area and make sure that the way they're venting their frustrations is not reckless. But I, 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 as the rules are written, I don't, I don't disagree with them. You know, I don't think that Brooksby should get defaulted for flinging his racket along the ground and it ending up hitting the ball kid's foot. I think it, if, it, if, it, if it not wasn't... defaulted, if not defaulted, I think an immediate point, I think you lose, I don't, I don't, don't warn someone not to do something that you shouldn't do. I think I think there's certain things. Yes, coach, you can get a warning, but when it comes to something like that, I think it. I think that's. I'm not saying default for what he did, but if I think he should be doctor point. I don't don't warn someone not to throw your racket when you shouldn't be throwing it in the first place. You see, do you see what I mean? I understand coaching. There's a warning and a few other things you can give a warning before you then take action in terms of points. I'm not saying you should have been defaulted, but I think if you'd said right immediately, that's a point. I. I would, would you agree with that? Just because it's something he shouldn't be doing in the first place and that would nip it in the bud 100%. It's not a warning. That's a point done. Yeah, I think possibly. I think possibly there could also just be some more work done post-match in terms of speaking to yeah. him and saying, look, yeah. you know, this isn't acceptable and next time you, we, you know, we've, we've put a mark next to your name and you are somebody that you're, you're forfeiting your warnings and you are just going to go now straight to a point because you've done it a number yeah, of times. Yeah. You're not following the rules. And, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, you might not think it's anything, but we've got people to look after on the court. And if you do it, you will go straight to a, a point. I don't understand why that can't be a thing, like just a little black yeah, mark. And you I say, agree. you know, un- until you've had six months of good behavior, you can't come back. So, you know, yeah, yes, I, I mean, yeah. yes, I, I I suppose I can I can generally agree that it all feels a little bit lenient that we just get an apology, a warning on the court and an apology. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't advocate for going in, you know, serious, significantly stronger. Look, Zverev got defaulted. He was, he was kicked out of the tournament for his actions. That was appropriate. Uh, Djokovic's actions were entirely accidental, but he caused significant injury and uh, yep. he was defaulted. And I think that is absolutely correct. Um, so it, it's difficult. The rules are being applied correctly. The, they are not being appri- applied wrongly in any of these situations. Um, and, uh, you know, with the Brooksby one, I think it was Carlos Bernardes in the chair and he was playing against Correa and Correa was saying, isn't he getting defaulted? We remember the Naomi Brody and Ostapenko situation way back when. I mean, that was awesome with uh, Brody saying that she should get defaulted and getting very wound up about it. Correa also got very wound up about it, saying that he should be getting yeah. more than 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 this you can't do that so I think that yeah yeah I mean it's difficult there's definitely room for it to be a little bit stricter but I wouldn't be leaping uh 
I wouldn't be leaping away from it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talking about, um, or talking about controlled aggression and discipline, for, for one of the twins, they've got their, they've got their grading this week in their little samurai. Now this is, this is to get their first belt. So this is, this Ooh. is yeah, this is big stuff. So this is obviously because we wanted them to do it because it's like, you know, self-defense and stuff. It's all very controlled. They're not allowed to do all the kicks outside of the class. But yes, yeah, a little samurai grading for their, I want to get this right. I think it's for the red belt. I think I've got that right. I don't know. So that's a big, that's a big thing this week. So that is, that's all about controlled aggression, doing it in the class and don't bring those kind of roundhouse, swivel house kick things outside so I will keep you posted (laughs) I'll keep you posted with how the grading goes um something else that came up this week uh, my words came back to haunt me when I said I don't know why I'm picking Sitsipas to win Miami because he faces Carlos Alcaraz early on yes Mm. and he lost him but earlier in the tournament Sitsipas saying hey women best of five sets at Grand Slam there's equal prize money so let's let's have five sets what do you think You're boring. <laughs> <laughs> Not you. That was aimed at Stefanos. <laughs> uh, I mean, oh, yeah, it, it's, I, I don't, I, I don't love that's how you feel desire. about it. <laughs> I, just, I just don't understand the desire for it. Like, I just don't, I don't get it. I, I, I yeah, I, I understand that you can get some epic best of five set matches. Um, I understand I don't agree with, but I understand the argument for um, reducing the men's best of five in the first week of a slam to three and then increasing the best of five for the women in set in week two. So everybody plays three sets in week one and everybody plays five sets in, in week two. Um, it's not what I think, but I can see that, that point of view. Like if that's what you think or if that's what somebody else thinks, I think, yeah, cool. I, I personally think that... Uh, it is about the appropriate length of time. And I think that the appropriate length of time to get the best quality matches uh, for the women is best of three sets. Um, I also think that largely that's an appropriate time for the men because they do that for the vast majority of the year. Um, They used to play best of five sets at the end of Masters and they scrapped it because it was so physical and they had to turn around quickly for maybe it was back-to-back Masters like Indian Wells and Miami. Maybe it was, you know, just getting to another tournament or it was before a slam or, you know, whatever the case was. Um, It it didn't work. So they scrapped it a long time ago and went to best of three. And I think that's contributing to the younger players struggling like Zverev struggling in the best of five format in the slams because he, he's, he'd won multiple masters events, yeah, but he's yeah. never had to play the best of five. Whereas Djokovic, when he first started winning masters events had to play best of five in the final. So you get those more opportunities and more opportunities to play the best of five against the very, very best. Cause you're in the final of a masters event. Um, yeah. <sighs> I, I just think that it's the appropriate amount of time. I think that we get epic women's matches. I think that they are um, 
in incredible matches. And even if, um, you know, you buy a ticket to the Wimbledon final and it's an hour and a half for women's matches, well, a football game's an hour and a half. You know, a rugby match, like an hour and a half is an appropriate amount of time for a sporting event to last. I don't understand the need for it to be five hours. No one wants that. I tell you where else you can have an epic hour and a half. That is in Paddle, the world oh, yeah. of Paddle, which is a world I'm involved in currently. Um, yes. I'm working on the Premier Paddle tournament. It's the Qatar Major. Uh, paddle, is it a sport you've ever played? Uh, it's not, no. I've never tried it. I've, I've seen quite a lot of it live, um, just at clubs, seeing, watching people play. Um, it looks really fun. It's, it's, it's heavily based in tennis, played in a cage so it's got a it's got a twist of of squash so it's the same scoring system as tennis the same shot selections the two big differences are you're playing in a cage so you can hit the ball off the off the perspex cage around you and the serve is really to start the point it's it's underarm you hit it you bounce it you hit it around waist height it's largely played in doubles and it's largely played in i mean spain is is the capital of paddle players if if they want to turn professional and be the very very best they go to spain this tournament at the moment i think yesterday for them 64 odd players on court there were 48 were spanish and then you're following with argentina wow. and then you've got brazil in there uh, there's a couple there's a handful of french italian i think in italy there was a there was a large jump in it during covid i mean 25 million people worldwide play the sport of paddle now they use tennis balls. There's slightly less pressure than the tennis ball that you would use. I don't, I've I've really immersed myself in the last week, and it's yeah, it's best of three sets. The three tiebreak sets, exactly the same scoring, but it's a point can last eleven minutes. There's a point this week that lasted eleven minutes. That I mean, it's just insane. To one me. point. That's one point. That's just mad. Wait, how long does a match last? Well, it, I, I had the extremes yesterday. Because yesterday the, the the top eight pairings had a bye in the first round, so it was a little bit lopsided. Because I think the the third seeds were playing the fifty seventh best pair in the world, and it lasted forty six minutes because it's it's really quick. It's you know they, the the so bang bang start again. There's no real hanging round discussion. Where are you going to stand? What are you going to do? What's going to happen? They know what they're going to do. They're going to they get the ball in play, get the point going, and off we go. So it's it's really quick. Um, but they, they change, the balls change after nine, 11 games and they have the same changeovers as in tennis. But it's, it's really, it's really, really quick. And the other thing from a commentary point of view, we've spent our whole life with TV tennis commentary being told, don't talk, don't talk during the point, do not talk during the point. But in paddle, you do. Because you've got an eleven-minute point, you have to talk. I mean, can you? <laughs> no other time. Well, from the sounds of it, there's no time between points. Not really. You don't have your twenty-five seconds. No. So if you don't talk during the point, you're not going to talk. It's even quite hard. <laughs> that'd, doing... be, that'd be an easy gig, wouldn't it? Just sit and watch some paddle it's for a, a bit. It's even quite hard doing doing like camera replays because the chances are the points already underway and it may even have been finished once you've got your replay away. So it's wow, it's totally different it's, rhythm. It's, it's, it's... I will just say, yes. out of note, is that. You know, paddle is a is a very new sport. It's been going for a few years, but it's a new sport professionally. It's a new sport. Am I correct? I'm. I mean, I don't want to make statements that are, are awfully wrong. Ish. In comparison to tennis, there's yeah. hundreds oh, yes. of Sorry, years yes. old. Yes, yes, yes. Right? In comparison and, to tennis, and other yes, sports. Of course, sport. yes. I mean, it's a yes. modern sport. Yes, it is a modern sport, a modern creation, and they. 
I know um, it's a bit of a callback, but they have decided to go with best of three sets, not best of five sets. <laughs> yes, they have. Just saying. Just saying. But you're, but you're looking at about, uh, say, an hour and a half for a match. I mean, you can have a, a three-hour match. Of course you can, because you've got three tie-break sets. But, like tennis. But, but I did a match yesterday that was 46 minutes long, and it was done. You're like, oh, right, it's over. And then you're probably yeah. looking at a standard around... An hour and twenty, but but we're gonna we're gonna play because I've never played. We're gonna play. You've never played. You're still gonna yeah. be a million times better than me. I'll have all the. Ooh, I'll, no, I'll have. Know. I'll have the words. I'll have the vocab. I'll talk a really good paddle match, but you will play a very good paddle match. So you wildly overestimate me because well, the slight issue I, I have, so. and the reason I've not played paddle to this point yeah. is the, the they you have walls, you have a cage. And I was very much sort of the player that just decided to thump the ball away for a winner. And it's going to be very annoying when it comes back. Well, the, the, the downside for you is that it's got to hit the court before it hits the wall. So if you let rip mm. like you would do with a forehand and it just hits the ball and comes back, you, you, you lose the point. But if you manage to yeah. use your power to hit the court wall and back over your side, you win the point. So this could right. be a new so career. you can give me a this coaching is... session. Okay, so I'm going to be your coach. We're going to yes. head down to the paddle court. And um, no, this is going to be good. Right, I've got to go now and talk about paddle. You have to talk about tennis. And um, yes. Miami quarterfinals. Can we just, uh, and I've got the paddle round of 16. And can I just apologise in advance for the breaking news that we have missed this week. And we will cover it. <laughs> we will cover it in next week's pod. We should have a segment that's called Week Old Feature. Uh, week Old News. <laughs> we'll do Week Old News. I think that's our pod, isn't it? I think that's yeah, the pod. <laughs> Bye. <stale>. Bye. <laughs>